Welcome to the Jesse Garcia Show, your half-hour home for politics, culture, and art. We come to you every week with a new story about your world. On today's show, we welcome Dr. Jorge Ramos, a scientist working hard to protect our planet. Dr. Ramos will talk about the Blue Carbon Initiative, which identifies the serious threat in our oceans that may accelerate global warming if we mess with our coastlines. I want to thank all our listeners for following the Jesse Garcia Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For more information about the podcast, visit jessegarciashow.com. Need health insurance? You can enroll in or change 2019 Marketplace Health Insurance right now. The 2019 open enrollment period runs from Thursday, November 1st to Saturday, December 15th, 2018. To preview plans, visit www.healthcare.gov forward slash c dash plans forward slash to check out healthcare plans by zip code don't forget healthcare.gov by december 15th hate crime is rising in america the number of hate crime incidents reported to the fbi increased about 17 percent in 2017 compared to the previous year, according to the Uniform Crime Reporting Program's annual hate crime statistics report released last week by the FBI. Law enforcement reported 7,175 hate crimes in 2017, up from 6,121 in 2016. Although the numbers increased last year, so did the number of law enforcement agencies reporting hate crime data with approximately 1,000 additional agencies contributing information. According to the report, the most common bias categories in single bias incidents were race, ethnicity, and ancestry at 59.6%, followed by religion at 20.6%. Even though the LGBTQ community make up less than 10% of the population, Hate crimes based on sexual orientation accounted for 15.8% of the total cases. Of crimes motivated by race, ancestry, or ethnicity, about 4.8% were motivated by hatred against African Americans, 17.5% stemmed from bias against whites, and 10.9% were classified as anti-Latino or anti-Hispanic bias. Next year, FBI personnel will provide training for law enforcement officers on how to identify bias-motivated incidents and report that data to FBI's Uniform Crime Reporting Program. Additionally, the Department of Justice just launched a new hate crimes webpage, www.justice.gov forward slash hate crimes, which provides information and guidance to law enforcement on how to report incidents. With the fall's election of a progressive Congress in the House of Representatives, the discussion of climate change will return in earnest to Washington, D.C. in 2019. Top scientists are urging changes in all aspects of society to limit global climate warming. For years, scientists have said that human activity is the main cause of recent global warming 
And back in October, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change gave us just 12 years to act, or we will face catastrophic climate change. One of those people working round the clock to save our planet is scientist Jorge Ramos. While many are fighting fossil fuel consumption on land, Jorge is concentrating his efforts in the ocean. You see, he is alerting folks around the world about the hidden dangers of messing with our ocean's coasts, which consists of sediment dense with sources of carbon that if it's released to the atmosphere, will speed up our doomsday clock. Yep, today's podcast sounds like a end-of-the-world Hollywood movie. But will you believe for his story before it's too late? Let's find out about the Blue Carbon Initiative. I want to welcome to the podcast Jorge Ramos. No, not that Jorge Ramos from Univision, but Dr. Jorge Ramos, a scientist fighting global warming by educating the masses about the need to take care of our oceans. Welcome to the show, Jorge. Thank you so much, Jesse. It's good to be here. Uh, number one, you're a very, very good friend of mine that I met this year, and you're one of the most interesting guys that does amazing work trying to help our environment. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to be working with climate change. Yeah, so thank you so much, Jesse, for having me here. Um, so I'm, uh, I'm originally from Juarez, Mexico, uh, which is right on the border with El Paso, Texas. So go Texas. Yes. Um, and um, so I, my parents are both Mexicans. Uh, I was raised in Juarez and then I moved to El Paso to go pursue my undergrad at the University of Texas at El Paso. Um, and then from there, I went to the University of Washington in Seattle to pursue my master's in forestry. And then after that, I ended up getting another scholarship where I moved to Phoenix and went to Arizona State University to pursue my PhD in environmental life sciences. And most of my degrees all involved in the fields of ecology or environmental science, and then my PhD focused on quantifying, so sort of calculating how much greenhouse gas emissions. So greenhouse gases are carbon dioxide, Something methane. Something that's been in the news during election time and because of the extreme weather we we're having. Exactly. So it's important to study greenhouse gases, and my PhD focused on how these new environments that we're building, so new wetlands that we're building, new constructed wetlands that we're building, um, what type of emissions are they emitting? So how much carbon are they emitting? Um, yeah, so then that's, I got my PhD and uh, usually, uh, you know, the, your careers as a, as a training in science uh, for 12 years in school. Yes. Usually your track ends up being a professor yeah, at a university. At a university. Exactly, yeah, or a research position. Um, I ended up taking a different route and it's becoming an activist. Yeah, so I work for a nonprofit uh, here. Um, I literally two weeks after I got my PhD, I moved to DC, two suitcases, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I got this amazing job uh, at this organization called Conservation International. Awesome. So, what got you interested 
working in conservation and climate change? What happened to you as a little boy that decided, I need to save the earth? You know, I think it's something, um, one of the things that I think being raised in Juarez, where you're as far as away as possible from the ocean, you're as far yes. away <laughs> from as possible from any natural forest. Although New Mexico, you could have some and South Chihuahua, you can have some. But my family was never into hiking. You know, I mean, when I tell yeah. my parents I'm going hiking, it's like, why would you walk <laughs> for miles <laughs> in nature? Yes. Uh, so I never got to see that a lot. And my dad, actually, when he would come back from Mexico City, he would always bring me books that were about nature. Oh, okay. Uh, so, and I actually brought you a picture, but I can show it to you later. Um, of me holding the first book that my dad brought oh, me. That's and I think just, you know, the curiosity. Seeking, yeah, seeking something that you're not close to. And then once you learn that you can get paid to study nature, then I was like, this could be you, a career. You made the connection. Yeah. Now, a lot of your work centers on blue carbon. And you have an initiative called the Blue Carbon, blue, uh, carbon Initiative. Explains what blue carbon is yeah. and the initiative's goals. Yeah, so I'll start with um, the blue carbon initiative. So, so like I said, I work for Conservation International, and within that, there's this initiative, the blue carbon initiative, which is um, three organizations: my organization, um, the Ocean Branch of UNESCO and the IUCN, which uh, International Union for Conservation of Nature. These three organizations are always working on fighting climate change. What's the main source of climate change? It is the amount of emissions of carbon we're putting in the atmosphere. So we always hear about this like, okay, we have to stop emitting emissions. We have to reduce our emissions. We have to stop reducing producing carbon. And what people often associate with that is what comes out of your car's tailpipe. Correct. You know, the oil that we're burning. Fossil fuels that we're burning exactly. for your electricity. The coal. Exactly. Power plants. All of that. But so, this is something different. Exactly. So then that's really good because we just gave examples of what we know. There's a lot of, there's another source of carbon that could be potentially emitted. So a lot of our na natural systems have this called organic carbon. It's all these mud that we see. A lot of uh, soils, a lot of our forests, all, all of our trees have carbon in them. The blue carbon specifically is all the carbon, all the soil and all the organic matter that is stored in coastal ecosystems. So after millions of years of mm -hmm. plants and animals living Sediments, on this planet, yeah. it's all concentrated I, yeah. along the coastline, yeah. compact, very dense. Yes, correct. And we don't need that to yeah. get to the atmosphere. Exactly. So the carbon that is in nature is in a form that it's stored, that it's locked. So it's stuck there and that's perfect. We have to keep it there. When you go, if you go to visit mangroves in these tropical areas, or if you visit sea grasses, or if you see some salt marshes, these three ecosystems have a lot of this carbon stored underwater. Uh, if we destroy that carbon, if we disturb these ecosystems, if we, you know, construct a new hotel on the coast, if we build these ecotourism activities that actually end up disturbing the soil. If we go digging for shale along the coast. Yeah, if you anything, anything that you destroy the ecosystem, 
you're gonna disturb this carbon that is underwater and it's gonna transform into CO2. And once that happens, it becomes another emission. Yes. And it's it can be very detrimental because it's like you said, it's very dense. So once you expose it, you can have way much more CO2 than any power plant wow. emitted into the atmosphere. So a lot of people just say, stop emitting, stop emitting emissions. But we also have to protect nature because exactly. there's carbon there and we do not want to make it to the atmosphere. We want to keep it in nature. We want to keep it locked in. So in, in the Blue Carbon Initiative, that's what it does. It tries to inform a lot of governments, it tries to inform communities, it tries to inform other organizations to protect the blue carbon that is stored in these coastal ecosystems. So what can people, you know, that are interested in saving the environment that want to help, mm -hmm. what's the best way for them to help raise awareness about this specific mm -hmm. issue? So, I mean, as a citizen, I mean, or as a person that just wants to get involved, um, one of the biggest things that you can do is actually be an informed voter because mm -hmm. most of the decisions that come to protect these coastal ecosystems come from governments. So, and these elected officials are the ones that then approve to conserve these areas or are the ones that approve to give permits to build more areas, to increase development, to allow the shrimp pond industry, for example, aquaculture, all of these things could impact these uh, ecosystems. So you could be an informed voter, which is, you know, the main thing you can do is uh, your voice does count. Uh, the other thing, it's actually, I know this is a podcast sometimes targeted yeah. for Latino community, Latinx. So, Latino community, Latino, Latina communities, Latinx, they are actually in this, in this pool of, in the U.S., they're very, they're called concerned citizens because yes. we are, we are aware of climate change and we know what it is. Uh, A lot of people in Puerto Rico know about climate exactly. change. Exactly. Yeah. Well, exactly. That would be an example of, that's a, that impact, Hurricane Maria was like, a sign of an increasing storm in magnitude and frequency. But most of the communities, the Latinx community, they they are aware of the problem, but they don't take the next step to take action. And on, that's because they have other, you know, other pressing priorities. Exactly. Health, yeah. immigration, family issues, yeah. education. Yeah. But this is something that's important. Yeah, and the beauty about, I mean bad to say the beauty of climate change but the opportunity in climate change is that all of these things that you just mentioned fall on climate change if we look at who is the person the average person that's going to get impacted the most and most frequently by climate change it's going to be communities in low resource areas communities that are now living in areas where no one else wanted to live because that's where the storms are going to keep coming in it's people that are uh, cannot adapt, like people that might not live in areas where you get um, shaded areas, for example. So you're people in Phoenix, for example. Where I grew up in South yeah. Texas, where it is hot. Exactly. Eight months out of the year. I didn't play out in the sun yeah. because yeah. I would get burned. Exactly. Well, those yeah. days are going to get warmer and warmer. Yeah. 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 And there's going to be a lot of, uh, you know, food shortages around the world. Yeah. Uh, so it's. There's a lot of things that, you know, 
a lot of people think like, oh, climate change is just the physics, it's the chemists, it's me, like the greenhouse gas guy. No, climate change now needs a lot of more social components attracted to it. We need more community organizing on what are the issues that are, besides the warming of the atmosphere, what are the issues that are going to affect people? And it's not a problem that cannot be tackled because we've exactly, done yeah. it. We've done it in the past. In the yeah. 80s and 90s, we were told to give up aerosol yeah, spray. Exactly, yeah. I was that kid in the 80s that had yeah. the hair, the Aquanet for all the hair that I used to have back <laughs> in the 80s. Your, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that hair spray that was being used, yeah. we got rid of them. And guess what? The ozone layer is coming back. Yeah. Science. Yeah. The science inform. is there, yeah, 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 and we were able to heal exactly. the ozone yeah. layer down yeah. there. So it checks out. It does. The science yeah. works. So, what arguments should we go um, to take to those people mm -hmm. in power in Washington and in corporate? America? Yeah. So, for example, and actually a fun fact of what you just said. Do you know who's the person that discovered the hole in the ozone layer of that impact of the aerosols? Who? Is a Nobel Prize winner and he's Mexican. Of course. Yeah, of course. <laughs> Mario Molina. Yeah, he yes. was in Mexico City and then he moved. He's in San Diego now. Uh, yeah, so like you said, yeah, we've known the challenges of climate change. We know the science behind it. We know how to solve it, but it is going to take time. And that's where a lot of these people, it's hard to communicate a problem that we don't see. Exactly. Like, if I tell you there's a lot of CO2 in the atmosphere, but how no one can see CO2, right? We yeah. don't have that visibility. So, and it's hard to also tell people you have to worry about this because in a hundred years, it's going to be really bad. You know, you and I won't be here in a hundred years. So how do we communicate something that's invisible, uh, the problem itself? And how do we communicate something that's way too far ahead? Exactly. Uh, so there are challenges with that communication. The one thing that we can do, so a lot of things you can do is most of the people that do care about climate change or that are in the position to make changes, like I said, it's the people that are in power. Uh, so you have to inform to them, you know, your constituents in your city are going to be impacted uh, by climate change what just happened two weeks ago the elections yes climate change was on the topic of most of the newly elected democrats and they won exactly so the new generation like us we are voting for people that are actually tackling this issue and i didn't think it would be something that would resonate i know it's and it is working because i met that i mentor after school mm -hmm. i go to the high schools yeah. in dc and i have two classrooms of Latino children, uh, well, teenagers, and I asked them, what are the issues that are important to you? And of course, crime was up there, and women's rights, uh, some said LGBT rights, but the, a lot of people said the environment and and nice. climate change. How and old are these like, kids? These were 9th, 10th, 11th, and 12th graders. Oh, good. So at that age, and our community, Latino community, people are aware and yeah. it's the younger generation that get it yeah yeah so it is something that uh and once you start tackling the like one of the main things we are always forced to say even when we're communicating this we say it's like 
just stop worrying about you for a minute and just think how this statement will sound. You know, if you do have, you know, for your future generations, for your own family's future generations, we now know for certain that their their planet will not be the same as the planet we were raised in. I mean, that's, it's huge for someone to say that to you. And you do have to back it up. And, you know, 98% of the scientists agree on this. It's certain. Yes. And so that itself it's not just going to impact your family. It's going to impact, you know, if there's a huge lobbyist in an oil company, we say, hey, you have to adapt because climate change is going to come for everyone. It doesn't put borders on anyone. Exactly. So what are you going to do to adapt? Yes, you can help your company, you know, adapt to it. But you also can support the communities that actually will need to buy your product because the next generation of people are going to start looking into the labels and say, is this a green company or not? And that's it, the greenwashing is going to be gone because now people are actually like your kids. They're going to be smarter. They're going to be way more knowledgeable on these issues. So we're going to we have to start educating the youth. We have to start if you're involved in community service, include climate change in your topics. You know, it is a human right issue. Most of these communities, it's the women sometimes actually harvesting the food from these systems that are going to get destroyed. Uh, transgender people, sometimes they're the most and the first ones impacted in hurricanes because the shelters sometimes do not know where to put these individuals. So it's really tough. I mean, we have to start looking into how this climate change intersects into economics, so many different into issues. social issues, into human rights issues. and. All, even these little things can inspire the youth to make them more knowledgeable, make decisions on how they shop, how they go purchasing, how they elect their next leaders. And, you know, I've been fortunate enough to go to the UN meetings on climate change. Yes. And I used to see them when I was a kid. I was like, oh, these are just politicians and they're flying and spending so much money in these meetings and they're just talking, 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 talking. But once you go to these meetings, the people that are actually invited to give testimony are indigenous people. Yes. Are the people that are losing their... There's a there's a country, Kiribati. They lost... Yeah. Their islands don't exist anymore. They the have South to start Pacific. applying climate refugee applications. And they get invited to these talks. And their testimonies, Jesse... Literally, you're like in a suit and a tie, all professional. You listen to one of these, you're bawling. Everyone in the room... They lost their land. They lost home and they cannot get it back. So, yes, there's a lot of talking in climate change, but it does come from people's livelihoods and it does come from science. So, yeah, there's a lot of opportunities for the young people to get involved. And it's not just science. It's also social sciences. And I'm happy to have any, you know, more conversations with anyone that's interested in this. What is your website? If people want to yeah. start learning more, what website do you send them to? So there's really um, the one of my organization is just conservation.org, www.conservation.org. Uh, that one is very broad on all the topics that we work in. It shows all that we have offices in 30 countries. Yes. So um, there's opportunities. You know, if you're a student that's looking to study abroad, if you're a student that wants to take an internship, um, you can ask me and we can potentially find a volunteering opportunity or an internship opportunity. 
to go to one of these countries. Um, do you all have any conferences coming up? Do you have a national? So we we don't have a we don't have a national or a conference. Uh, what we do have, we partner with a lot of scientific organizations and a lot of uh, social organizations as well, and we present at these meetings. So most of them are scientific. So for example, in two weeks, it's the American Geophysical Union um, here in DC and. That one's like all the science of the planet. But my role there is to then show, you know, how do we include all the science into decision-making processes? And that one, a lot, there's, it's open to the public. They have workshops open to the public. Uh, that one's agu.org if anyone wants to see it. There's another one called Ecological Society of America, esa.org. And they also have community events. That one tours around the world. Um, all the time around the US, sorry. Um, yeah, so they're all science conferences, uh, but then there's always some opportunities. Actually, we do have, I totally forgot. I am helping run this program called Ecology Plus. Okay. And it is a program that links Howard University uh, and other community colleges and other high schools in the DC area, DMV area. And we're trying to show them what are all of the potential careers you can pursue with a degree in ecology. Awesome. Yeah. So that one, actually, you can just Google Ecology Plus. Uh, and it's uh, you can also just send me an email or find me online. What's your email address? So we get Yeah. So to- my email is jramos at conservation.org. Um, and yeah, feel free to write to me. And I'm happy to answer any emails or questions you may have about, you know, my organization, any mentoring opportunities or any uh, opportunities for people to get involved. Thank you so much, Jorge, for educating me no, no, and our you. listeners on the pro- uh, this problem that we have and on the blue initiative, yeah. the blue carbon initiative. Yeah. It's very important that we learn this other aspect about climate change and yeah. what's hidden underneath our oceans. Yeah, we don't want to erupt. Bother. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Do not make. Don't disrupt it. Just it's a Pandora's box. It. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So no. Thank you so much, Jesse. Thank you so much, Jorge.